So welcome back to the Purple Worm. I'm joined as ever by my fellow co-hosts Pete Jones from Dragons the Real, Dave Aldridge from Deep Percentile, and of course Colin Green from Spike Pit. And in this episode, we're going to talk about a topic that's been inspired by some previous conversations we've had with other OSR anchorites on the the, the Discord and uh, various different podcasts. And the topic is old school fifth edition. Would you? And more importantly, should you? So I believe it was Spencer from Keep Off the Borderlands who originally suggested to this. And I know that I know you sort of mentioned, Colin, that... Uh, Adding a bit of an old school flavour to fifth edition can sometimes seem a little bit contentious. Again, mm. part of that's wrapped up in the whole debate about what actually constitutes old school, which, as we know, is a discussion that's going on amongst the the anchorites at the moment, and it's been a discussion that's occurred numerous times. Uh, so, Colin, I know you use uh, you sort of use like the quick start rules of fifth edition, and I've been talking to you a little bit about that. On Discord, uh, would you care to give a, a bit of a just a brief sort of summarisation of like why you use the the quick start rules and what you think the benefits of those is as opposed to using like the full fifth edition rules? Yeah, so I I jumped back into RPGs basically with the, the starter set for D and D fifth edition that came with. Um, because there's a little bit of confusion over this. So the starter set rules are rules to get you up and playing. They're the lightest version, but there's no character generation. So if you want that, you actually need the basic rules, which is the free rules. So there's more of them, yet they are actually free, and they are the ones that you can download and then print out your copy. There's been... Uh, a it used to be two books. There was like a, a DM's one and, and then a, a player's one. Uh, a little while back, they had a, a they sort of rationalised it and, and made it into this one set of basic rules. I took that, printed it out, A5, and made it into a book. And now I will confuse people because that has got the Beck Me uh, Mensa mm-hmm. red cover on it. You'll, because you'll I can also, do that. You'll also confuse the people who are listening to the audio version of this because I don't know what the hell you're talking about. Oh, yeah, so I'm holding up the the Beck Me <laughs> basic with a red dragon and uh, the warrior, the um, the Elmore, the famous Elmore. Um, yeah, and I'll stuck that on there. It was a, it's a little sort of joke to myself. But <clears throat> inside there, you've, you've got pretty much you've got basic D&D. So you've, you've only got four classes. You've, you've got your warrior, you've got a wizard, um, a rogue, and a cleric. And then you've got humans, dwarfs, elves, halflings. It seems like they've maybe had a little bit of a separate agenda going on. It, it is actually like basic yeah, and they've limited the options. So, 
it really is like basic the spells the spell list is limited yeah interestingly this i think i had a count up and it's basically the same number of spells as you get in old D &D, All right. right so i, I take it, it. They, they they've not altered uh, the sort of the hit points starting hit points or things like feats then it's it's just a pared down version is it there's no feats in it oh, no feats no no feats no all right. No, yeah. so isn't none feet, of that is feats an optional stuff. system in for the edition? I can't remember. Yeah, yeah, it's like, yeah, it's optional. Yeah, I've never played with feats. You've got enough features to, right, to think about as it is. I just didn't feel the need for them. I think they're there want, for people that had them. If so you want to, people. if you want to dual wield automatic crossbows and stuff like that, you need feats for that. It's for all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. but you don't need to replace it. Yeah, because you can just rule. You just rule it, don't you? But uh, in, okay, so you've got the the sort of pared down character creation in there, Colin. Um, yeah. What does it offer in terms of um, like DM stuff? You know, like advice on like running the game. You know, like stuff like that. Um, never looked at it. Never really looked at it. Um, I mean, has it got? Any, I mean, has it got any like travel rules or like stuff like that? Like you tended to get in the older edition. You know, like you get your hex crawl sort of stuff and whatnot. Um. Couldn't, couldn't but, say I mean, because I took them. I took them out of this copy, um, and I never printed. When they revised it, I never printed off the D, the DM section because but, I've always, I've, I've been doing it a bit too long for that, and I've just done my own thing. Yeah, but that's all exactly as as Colin says. That's all stuff you don't need in your core. I mean, that's, that's all true. stuff. You know, nobody's ever happy with what's in the basic rules anyway. You always find a module that does it better. So I don't think you need that stuff in your core rules. There's a section. There's a section on adventuring. Yeah. Actually, there is a section on adventuring, and I think that that covers flying movement, surprise reactions, stuff what, what, like that. What I'm really about overland. that is, if you've got a copy of that, you're more likely to get a game with a face-to-face -face group than you are trying to get an OSR game going. Well, this this is what sparked all, all my thinking of this again. Mm. Um, Cody Mars are coming on yeah. talking about the, the trouble that he had. When I originally talked about, you know, why is everybody ragging on sort of 5e? What's up with 5e? I did like 10 episodes. And my argument was I, I, I've always played D&D. I don't want to be left behind. I want to keep a pace with it. And I feel like it's a shame if there's youngsters coming into the game, and and I don't know what they're talking about. I don't, I don't mm. want to be I don't want to be left behind out of some sort of stubbornness. So we've so we've started on your route in Colin, and yours yours is that you've got this you've got this more stripped down version of Five E. So my route is slightly different, but it's aligned. Yeah. So my my route is as I constantly talk about, I was playing since the 80s, but I wasn't playing d and I didn't come to D&D until 3rd edition. Didn't like 4th edition, it's been said. Did like 5th edition. In fact, the longest campaign still that I've played ever, and that's even since 5th edition, it hasn't been out that long, was 5th edition. Um, and because I was doing the experience wrong, um, we were, they were levelling up really quick. So actually it was also one of the most high-leveled things 
that I've done. But all the time I was playing that, and along the way I've got hold of Dungeon Crawl Classics, which gave me a sense of what I was trying for. But all the way I was playing that, I was thinking, you've got to be able to strip this down. You know, I don't need all of these class options. I don't need. All... I had the basic rules. That's, that's not really what I meant. I mean, I mean, you've got to be able to strip this down. Um, and I got hold of Chris Goneman's basic fantasy right now this is not i all credit to chris goneman right it's one of those ones i admire that you can buy it on amazon for nothing he gives it out yeah. free he just wants his rules out there now it's not my favorite claim it's, it's just not my favorite claim but it was the first one that i encountered and i looked at that and this remember this is someone who's never played anything before third edition so i looked at it and i was just like oh, i can't get my head around this i don't know why i'm rolling a d6 for initiative i don't know. remember i started on third edition so unified systems unified saves all that kind of stuff i'm like why why are there all these different experience costs for leveling up in different classes why have they got i can't work out why the fighter should have these bonuses and the other classes should have those bonuses and then you look at fifth edition so you, so you take that model if you like that's all i had chris goneman's basic fantasy dungeon cool classics but that that doesn't that's a more creative unique kind of thing and I was thinking, well, this is really nice and stripped down and slim. And I can, I can see myself playing this with the kids. I can see myself having freedom to do what I like. And then you look at fifth edition. You think, if I just populated those tables out of fifth edition, it's just much cleaner. So it's a slightly different path for me, but I think it's linked to, um, to Collins. So we've both, in our own ways, done it so far, then. Right, I mean, so let's let let's not forget. I'm the one. I I sent Spencer packing when he called him because yes, I did, said, yeah, 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 let's talk about OSR in the fifth ed. And Colin went, oh yeah, been there, done that. And John said, I've got no interest in doing that. And Pete, I think you chortled. So I told Spencer we weren't interested in doing it. And they so, were all like, yeah, and I was outraged. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, but, but you but you said you were the one, Colin. You went, yeah, been there, done that. So I I, yeah. I misrepresented that. It's like no one's got any interest. Ah, uh, right, so, yes, Spencer. I've done it, I've done it, I've done it. Spencer yeah. mentioned Five Torches Deep. Have, have any of you mm. read it? Because I've, I've got a copy here. <laughs> the Five Torches Deep says it's old school using the 5E way. Uh, so that basically it's OSR mechanics with the principles to people familiar with 5E. And he classes the OSR as danger is real. It's cunning over crunch. Magic is haphazard and travel and resources. So those are what he classes as the OSR. And the difference between Five Torches Deep and 5E is that Five Torches Deep has weaker PCs. He has a default DC of 11. No dump stats. And I'm going to come on to those because what he's done with the mm. stats is quite different, actually. Mm -hmm. And he's brought some new mechanics in. So he's got four classes. Well, I'll go on to the, the races first. Uh, you've got human, dwarf, elf, and halfling. Interestingly enough, they surprise, don't Surprise, surprise. But they don't have special abilities. The only thing your race determines is what dice you roll for your ability scores and your class restrictions. So, for example, a dwarf is limited to a thief if he's got 13-plus decks and a mage 13-plus int. Otherwise, he can be whatever he wants. But his ability scores are con and strength are 13. He rolls 2d6 plus 3 for dex, int, whiz, mm. charisma in order. There's four classes, warrior, thief, zealot, and mage. And everybody levels up, no matter what you are, at the same XP. So 2,500 XP gets you to level 2 for whichever class 
Right, are. and that that is that. I mean, that's the best thing that Fifth Ed can yeah. do for Dio, because there's no there's no justification for those. So the, the way he does his four <laughs> classes, each class has got a subclass. So I'm only going to do the warrior class, but at warrior class at level one, you start with a plus two proficiency bonus, your starting HP and warrior equipment. Level two, level two, you get a counter-attack in melee as a quick action up to twice a fight. At level three, you pick a warrior archetype and gain one of its features. And the archetypes for warrior are barbarian, fighter, and ranger. And the same thing happens at level seven. You pick another feature from your archetype, um, and then you get extra abilities in between. Now, when it comes to the weapons... He's done something a bit strange. So if you're using a club, you're rolling 1d6 plus strength modifier for your damage. But if you're using a crossbow, you do, you do a 1d12 and either you choose your dex or your whiz modifier. So what he's trying to do is get some of these dump stats to be used in other ways. It, it all sounds lovely, but but under that theme of OSR in 5e, I can't see... And I'm, I'm not being the OSR police here. I'm just saying what it sounds to me like what he's done is he, he's just trying to fix 5e for the game yeah. he wants to play. I mean, um, it's to me, it's not OSR and it's not 5e. Where my ba my basic rules here, you just become a champion mm. at third he's, level. So there's no choice of archetype. You're just a he's champion. Keep, He's keeping the trappings. Like what? What things do you want? What What do you want Five E to learn from OSR? What you want? You want it to learn from you know. Currently, those class descriptions in Five E are like five or six pages long. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What yeah. you want them to learn from OSR is you can fit them on two sides of A five. The only thing I found in this book, which which I thought has got some legs, is supply, and so each PC is supply up to their int score, and that is the stuff that you bring with you, and it's sort of represents your ability to plan ahead. And it's oh, one yeah. of these things where you say, oh, yeah, I need some rope. Well, I've got – you don't record it, but you say, that cost me one supply, so you take that out of your supply. Yeah, you've got rope with you this time. Or for five uh, supply, you – oh, yes, I'm prepared. I've got holy water with me. And that's probably okay, the only so – what why I'm torn on that is that that's a lovely, we know that's a lovely indie modern gaming yeah. innovation, right? It's got nothing to do with the old games, right? right? Now, I'm not saying OSR needs to be to do with the old games because I love games like the Black, Black Hack and Ben Milton stuff, which are, which are recreations built on the spirit of the old game. But, but he needs to make up his mind what he wants to do. All right, so um, um, let, let, me, let me float this out to come back to um, Colin's basic fifth edition that he's been talking about. Um, in a couple of weeks, I'm going to be running a, a game at a local convention, and I want it to be, because obviously there's a limit to how much I can sort of take down to the venue, so I'm, I've am i settled on running the, the Barrow Maze, partly because mm -hmm. I'm familiar with it because I played in Cody's game, and also I've got a book for it, and it's the sort of setting where you can turn groups of random players loose on it and go have at it mm -hmm. so it's it's quite easy for like a pickup you, know, you can have people turn up and like okay jump in this yeah get a character jump in now at the minute i'm currently sort of planning because I, I just want to take a simple game down with me that i don't have to lug tons and tons of books down with me so i've picked up like the delving deeper because i'm familiar with it from cody's game now if i was if i was to because i'm intrigued by your mention of fifth edition basic version 
if I was going to try and use that to run my Baromaze game, do you think that would work, Colin? Based on your experience of it. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Uh, if you took, you could go on. See, this is the other thing. The, the other great thing about if you go with D and D, there's just so much of it. You know, yeah. you, you're never going to find yourself in a desert with it. Because I've got to admit, uh, again, also as you're aware, I've run some of the games for Games on Demand at UK Games Expo. Now, again, when I travel down there, because all of my stuff has to be carried with me in like a backpack. Um, and in one of those wheelie suitcases because I'm going down on the train. There is no... We try and run a selection of different games. Now, there's no earthly way that I'm going to chuck like all my D&D 5th edition books in like a backpack and take it down there because that would be all I'd take with me. Now, However, the idea of, like you say, printing out an A5, this very basic version, because obviously I'm only running like two hours of taster games, that, that sounds very appealing to me as something that people would be familiar with and that I also have a familiarity with and could run without having to go through all the rigmarole or all the extra books. From I think the I think that's key. Can, as the GM, if you've got familiarity with it, then... Yeah. The original question of can you OSR 5th edition, yeah. you can interpret it in two different ways, right? The first way of interpreting it is can I play an OSR-style game, whatever I think OSR-style is, with 5th edition? Our answer, of course you can. Yeah. Of course you can. Colin's saying he does it all the time. He can't, he can't un-OSR his style of play. Further advantage is he's got the basic thing, which is more stripped down, easier to carry around, right? Yeah. I think we probably answered that one, yeah. right? But there's the other one, which is what Pete's mentioned, is can you tweak the mechanics using a fifth edition chassis? I'm not, it's not sounding to me like five torches deep, although it says it's doing that, is even bothering to try doing that. But I think that's worth thinking about as well. And my line on that would be, you probably can. What you want to take inspiration from is something like White Hack or Black Hack. Yeah. And say, what's the real core at the bottom of 5th edition? It probably is. For each character, it's probably just that simple little table, right? XP costs, as you say, Pete, unified XP costs for leveling up. And then it's your proficiencies. And then maybe it's something in the background about how skills or weapons interact with proficiencies so different classes have different things and then probably the inspiration you take from black hack and white hack is given that table which is the same for every single character those are your proficiency bonuses they'll just apply to different things you probably then just want three or four key abilities that will fit on a facing page right i think those are the things you take the bounded proficiency that table difficulty levels advantage and then you just make your character sheet look like black hack or white hack with a few you know i think you can do that and and you know and it, it would it would still be fifth ed it would be the basic core it would be the way that fifth ed works it would be the it would be the die science from fifth ed yeah. but really stripped down and I think that's a slightly different question so we've got two questions I mean definitely I'm with you Pete uh, 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 sorry I'm with you John that what you want to take you know if you want to run it in a fifth ed way you want to take Colin's basic rules absolutely you don't need anything else and you can do an OSR game with them you know the thing you'd be doing differently was that you'd be doing you know, a difficulty class-based OSR game, which most of the clones don't do. Although I think you like Castles and Crusades, and it does do something a bit like... Yeah, the, the, yeah the way it works in Castles and Crusades is um, you, you have the standard six D&D attributes, and you mark a number of those as primary attributes and a number of those as secondary attributes. When you come to make a, a roll, you roll your standard D20, uh, you get to add your your attribute modifier to it if it's a um, 
if it's a task that's particularly associated with your class, like you're picking mm. someone's pockets and you're a rogue, you get to add your level to it as well. And mm. then the the difficulty, like the base difficulty is either, I think it's 15 if it's a primary attribute. Key to your attributes, yeah. yeah, or, if yeah. It's, or it's 18 if it's a secondary attribute. And yeah. then if it's more difficult, the GM can add like one to five onto that mm. and you have to get equal to or above it do you know what i've i've, I've got a, an unpopular how about an unpopular D opinion or whatever, whatever we're calling this on how about 5e is D and by default is osr already <laughs> it ha- it's still dnd it's got a clear lineage it can there's no argument I was it's... waiting to just see like the torches in the background through like Collins. Uh, like, but hey, get that pitchfork down. What's that with you? I don't think anything's really gone from D and D. Do you know what I mean? It's all still in there. I mean, it, when you look at these basic rules, it's like, yeah, it's it's just evolved a bit. But really, so, I don't yeah. think there's this yeah. massive. There's not this massive chasm between Five E and the OSR that people make so, out there is. You, you know, there's, there's more. You know, fifth edition did revive it, all right? So it's actually the old school revival. Yeah. <laughs> it did. It did. It revived it. Um, so yeah, I'm 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 kind of with that. It's got the stuff. It's got it's got your elves, your dwarves. It's got your classes. It's got the classic six stats. It. I think it can do. I think it does everything that earlier versions did. But it, it goes a bit further. I think it's improved magic. It's added a level of complexity to magic, but you haven't got to use it. It's added feats from whatever third edition and all that, but you haven't got to use them. You can take them basic rules, and I, I think those basic rules, if you understand a little bit about hex crawls and you've got this memory of the game that you're trying to recapture or whatever, perfectly can run an old school game because it is one i I left joe and um, spencer a couple of messages on their podcast recently because they were both talking about the various things they disliked about DD and how they've changed stuff in their games and like they weren't sure whether it was still osr and i'm like well to 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 my mind personally you don't really get much more osr than like looking at DD and going like oh what would i change a little bit because if you look at all the retro clones like the vast majority of them, apart from ones that are just like this is literally a version of BX or whatever, the vast majority are the basic D and D chassis, and then someone's gone, oh, but I, I I like to focus on the rules for this bit a bit more, or I'd like to tweak this a little bit a bit more. So to, to my mind, like taking something like D and D and tweaking it to suit your own personal taste, as we were saying earlier, like you could do with this fifth edition sort of basic yep. version that Colin's talking about, you don't really get much more OSR than that, in, in my opinion. So so here's the thing they could do for the new players. I mean, we, we've played lots of games. We've seen all the different intera- iterations. So we, we, we can see how, if we didn't like the magic system in D&D 5th edition, we could, we could replace it. We can see that. And we know, and we know what complexities, because it's not, you know, there are a lot of moving parts, and if you move mm. one bit, it does affect other things. We can see what attendant complexities would be evolved in doing that. And actually, with 5th edition, edition, there are sufficient attendant complexities that I would be a bit nervous about doing, a bit nervous about just stripping out the magic system. Mm. But one thing they could certainly do for new players, having said 
make of it what you will. If you want it simpler, have it simpler. They could maybe say, here's what it'd look like if yeah. you stripped out all of that. Because, you know, at higher levels, I know we talked about this before, Colin, you, you've managed to either lose interest or kill everybody before it gets to higher levels. But I, I played a game which only went to such high levels because I was giving out XP rules because mm. it's bloody complicated, the XP calculation rules in the Dungeon Master mm. um, But when you get to high levels, you've got all kinds of things going on all over the battlefield. You're trying to track all kinds of timers for effects that have chucked some enemies off into other dimensions. They're going to come back in 10 rounds, all this kind of stuff. And you're mm. trying to track hit points for wolves, for the enemies. Enemies are casting, raising wolves. You've got people raising zombies and skeletons. And you do just want to go, oh, I'll just pull all of that out and you'll have a much nicer game. But they don't say, here's what it would look like if you did. So if you're one of those new fifth head players, you're not going to get near that. You're not going to move any of those parts. You're going to know, you're going to, you're going to grasp that moving them is going to affect a lot of other things. So they could, they could do that. In sixth head, that's what they could do. Because they did a few of those things. They said, well, here's, a, here's what it would look like if you did theatre theater of the mind yeah, i don't they, think they went thorough going but they did do it they said here's what it looks like if you're doing maps here's what it looks like if you want to be a bit free form about ranges and if they if they showed you some of the things it would look like if you just said right i'm ditching that it's what like it they, mean they to say that they, they've come forward with milestone experience a lot more now that's since, right since that's the right. publication of that's right. fifth they've come along later books, oh, milestones, yeah, yeah, maybe you don't imagine, need to worry too imagine much. If, yeah, imagine if Sixth Head has got, a, has got an appendix, free-form magic. I think, it's, I think it's an interesting idea what you, you're talking about, Dave, and I know they're trying to do like a much slower release schedule with 5th edition than has been traditional mm. with previous <laughs> editions, but I would like to see them bringing out books where it's like it's almost like offering like optional alternatives so they, they might bring out a book that says, like, oh, well, if you don't like the sort of fancy and magic system or whatever, here's an alternative, and we've tested this, and here's how it right. can work with 5th right. with edition. Because as you say, especially if you're, if you're maybe not so sort of au fait with like adapting rules on the fly and stuff like that, it would, if you just looked at 5th like edition, because there are so many moving, like interconnecting bits, it mm. would be quite daunting to alter that, if, especially if you... Not just if you were like new to it, but especially if you were new to it, because it could have knock-on effects to other mechanics that you might not have anticipated. Yeah, that's it. I think it'd be nice instead of just like adding, releasing stuff that's going to just add on top of the mechanics you've yeah. already got. Just say stuff like, "Oh, you don't have to add this as well as like normal magic or whatever, but it's mm. suggested as an alternative." So if you want a slightly different flavor for your game, here's like a book that's got I don't know four or five different magic systems in, and we've tested these. Here's mm. how you use them with all the existing mechanics, and they work. So I think it'd take a bit of like the sort of heavy weight off people's shoulders. I think they push out stuff like that to third-party publishers. Like you've got Cubicle Seven doing mm. Adventures in Middle Earth. Mm. You've you've got an alternative magic system mm. there. I know it's not what John's talking about with a, a range of like the Book of Magic, say, yeah, yeah. and it's mm. got But if you if you look at some third-party stuff, you might go, oh, well, actually, boom. This is a low magic setting with different rules. It's got different journeying rules, so it does overland journey. It's got yes. audiences in yeah, there. But that's, so it's got a few other things going on. Do, 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 that's no part of their schedule. They don't license any of that. I, the, I, the, I was the, that say. all says fifth edition fantasy. It doesn't even it's not I was gonna no, say, yeah, I mean right. in terms of why they're not doing this, Pete, I would guess that like I said, they're doing the slower release schedule at the moment. They've obviously still got plenty of 
mm. other stuff that they've not yet touched that they can bring out for fifth edition. So I think I'm I'm just sort of spitballing based on what I know from previous editions. They tend to do all the sort of basic stuff first, you know, like extra classes, extra magic items, modules, stuff like that. And it's only when they've got all of that out of the way, they then tend to start doing the the slightly more, I suppose, like esoteric sort of, sort of niche stuff, which, yeah, okay, sometimes you get, some, you get some dross in there, but occasionally you get some books where, like, you get, like, your unorthodox arcanas and stuff like that where it's got some interesting, like, optional stuff in it. You could run forever with with the basic rules and never pay a penny, and I think that's right. that's. Right. I think there's something to be said for that. I think that that's pretty good mm. that they've thrown that out there. I, I, I yeah. like the way Colin's trying to appeal to me specifically by keep mentioning yeah. the phrase "not have to spend any money." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, it's just because you well. you mentioned podding out all your money on the books, and I thought, well, yeah, but you don't have to. But what about this? Does anybody else? I know this is a little bit off uh, a tangent, but it's. Um, this business of we we will forgive loads of stuff and weirdness in them old rules, yet outcomes with tradition and people want to pick all these holes in it. Um, is it me or is that a bit bit odd? Um, why why this? Why? Why is that old stuff the sacred cow? If you come out and say saving throws, what is? I just think. I just think. See, you. you, I. I think. Right. um, Gaming is older. Right. Gaming is older, and I'll forgive a five-year-old all kinds of errors that I won't forgive a forty-five-year-old. Right. And I. I think if you put something out now, it should be more grown up than White Box was. It should be more grown up than BX was. Yeah, and BX is actually BX is a bloody good effort, right? Mm. So that's yeah, the standard. Yeah. B, BX is a is a precocious yeah. effort of yeah. a twelve year old, right? But but we are we are post university now, so we can do better, and th- and that's that's why. And if and if these people don't know that stuff and they haven't read that stuff and they can't do better, they should employ other people because there's plenty of other people who can. I was just going to say, personally, I'm glad I've got like another five years before like Dave starts calling me on all my bullshit. Oh, you know what I mean. <laughs> no, of course, of course I do. But I'm ready for <laughs> I, think, I, think I think I'm already holding you to those standards, John, which is why we knock, we knock heads <laughs> on the audio dungeon. I just think with, with D&D that if somebody's grown up playing whatever edition that they, that they played and they used to, any changes to that, they're going to be resistant to it because that is their game. That's what they've grown up with. For me, it was BX or somebody else it would be third edition. And people like the, the game, often like the game they started with. I don't agree, you see. I don't agree. It's not nostalgic. Oh, clearly. I, don't I, I, I clearly it's don't a, agree either. I, I, I know want, what you're saying. I want the game to be right and good. I want it to not be broken. I want them to have thought through things that actually they were already thinking through in... 1982. And I, you, sorry, go on, John. I was just going to say, I'll tell you what, I do think it's a weird thing, sort of talking about that, people sort of seeing like their version as sort of like mm. the, the holy grail of D&D or whatever. I also think it's weird when like you get people who are, as you said, uh, Pete, quite sort of defensive about whatever version of D&D mm. or whatever game they started with. And then they're like, uh, oh yeah, I, I, like core D&D is my, like, my main stuff. Like, I'm 
be, BX through and through. And then they're like, oh yeah, but I quite like White Box. I quite like this yeah. retro client. I quite like that retro. Yeah. And I'm like, but but they're just the game you're talking about that yeah, someone yeah. else has changed. <laughs> yeah. You know, so, so, so they, they, they don't think anyone should change the game, but they also like games I've, that are I've, that game changed. You know, this is not a grognard thing, is it? To say over the years we learn things about games, which is why new well, that's releases what I should be better than old releases. That's that what... the opposite of being a grognard. That's where I am. Yeah, and that's what I think. Five E has done. I look at I look at Five E, and I think, well, I think this is the game evolved. I think the game right. has evolved. So... Just one example is your chart, the experience chart, Dave. That's just one thing. They've gone, do you know what? We don't need all these separate. Why have we got all these separate advancement? Yeah. What's all that about? Yeah. You know, and stuff like that that's yeah. been taken away. But I don't think people give it fair credit. So I'm ambivalent, right? I'm with you. I see some things in 5e and I just go, yep, good. It's grown up. You know, things like, yeah, especially comparing it to third edition, the whole bounded difficulty and things like that, that was a fix of third edition and it's smart. Difficulty classes, I think, are quite sensible. Advantage, mm -hmm. wherever it came from, not arguing with Jason, wherever it came from, it wants to be there. That's why all the new games use it. That's yeah. all good. But And so I do. But but I don't. what I don't want to say, and I don't think you're saying it either, but what I don't want to say is that fifth edition, just by virtue of being the newest one, must represent the apex. No, because what yeah, I also no, want right. to do is I want I want to look at fifth edition and go look at it because you are the newest one, you ought to be the apex, and in many ways you aren't, and I want to be able to judge you for that <coughs> and say mm. what we we could be doing otherwise. Um, but I agree, there are loads of things about fifth edition which are really neat, and um, you can see why they're there. That like the attempt, the attempt to say right, we're going to have saves linked to every attribute. Um, there's no point having the three saves. There's certainly no point having the random five saves from the earlier editions. But, you know, I actually like Fortitude, Reflex, and Will. I think that's really good. But I can see why they wanted to do what the Black Hackers done, other games have done, and say, well, we'll, just, we'll have no distinction really between saves and skills. Um, but then they don't actually execute that because there are no charisma saves, for example. <laughs> you, know, you can scour the books and you'll make like two charisma saves. Um, they're not mm. there. Um, so you kind of think, I see what you're trying to do, but you didn't, you didn't, you didn't actually achieve it. What about in social encounters in an opposed role? Presumably, well, I mean, you can you you can use them how you want when you're right. GMing. You can use them absolutely how you want. But actually, you mean with the magic and stuff? Yeah, when you read the book, yeah, there's there's like there's only two spells that actually use charisma saves, and there's nothing really in the rules that say charisma saves do what you want them to do in social encounters. Would 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 they ever change those six stats though? Oh, I don't think so. No, no. But they did ditch the five saves, mm. right? Now the five saves arguably had more of an impact on your old school life. Than the attributes, yeah. you know, you get, if you go back to delving deeper, the attributes don't make much difference at all unless you run no. really high no. or really low. They don't make any difference. No. Whereas the saves constantly save you from dying, mm -hmm. you know. Wolf. And yet, in third Wolf. edition, they went, they went to fortitude, reflex, and will. What about you then, John? Did you see the the ditching of the saves? Because I was out. I got out at the round about the time just before free free came out. Right. 
So I never saw saves go away. Because weren't, weren't saves sort of winnowed down to about three, three. saves in yeah. third edition? Right, that's, that's, and we were asking, we were asking how that, did you see that happen? I mean, because I came in, I came into third edition, it was Fortitude, Reflex and Will, and that made perfect see, sense. I, I remember that happening, and I was, I was quite a fan of that, to be honest, because I mm. was like, one of the things I remember from early D&D, and this is sort of like from when I was younger, it, it ceased to be, a problem as I as I sort of have more experience with it is initially there was a bit of a sort of oh well I've got a save versus paralysis all right it's obvious when you use that I've got a save versus wand but I've also got a save versus magic so I certainly yeah. remember when I first started playing it there was a bit of sort of oh well which save should I be using for this I'm not really sure and yeah it was all worked out you know but there there was that initial confusion and you had to sort of work it out whereas the three the three sort of generic sort of saves they were quite sort of broad i think that's reflex fortitude and i forget what the last one was will will will, will. so so will. yeah so it was yeah. so it was basically like i were a toughness save a dex based save and a sort of a mental a, a mental yeah. save yeah so that yeah. seemed very easy to me you could just look at those three saves and be like right i know what each of those is for so you so oh, yeah. You could have three, you could have the, your three attributes. Then could be could be the same, couldn't it? You know, your yeah. your, your your strength, your mind, and your your absolutely, um, yeah, of course, absolutely, so and that would make good sense. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. Um, you, you, I think you're right that people would be like, ah, mm. you know, you get rid of the saves. There's such a, but it but it would be as sensible as that shift yeah. that happened from second to third. That's what. That's another thing we've talked about this on the Discord. But that's another thing I would like to see is you know if somehow fifth edition could just take up a third of the space on stat blocks that they take. I know, Colin, you talked about this in your recent episode on Spike Pit, where you were saying that like um, obviously you can sort of shrink those down. You can write them on like index cards and whatever. Mm. And mm. I absolutely agree. You are absolutely right with that. But to come back again to the sort of idea of like just running a game out of the box so to speak it's like if i if i buy a like a monster book i if i can get a monster book where it's like oh it's uh it's 13 pages and there's like two monsters on each page or whatever or three monsters or whatever yeah it only takes up half the space and i can run it as is yeah which i much prefer that to having to buy a bigger more expensive monster book and then like rewrite bits of it myself to like work it down into what i want but it's not about size either. It's not about whether they're small or big. It's about the fact that you don't need any of that stuff. Yeah, like you strip yeah. the stat line out. You strip yeah, the half elegance that stuff out. thing. That's, yeah, yeah. get that, rid of it. That, that's what I liked about you know the uh, the, the white box uh, delving deeper. You know, a, a monster is on one line, and you can have twenty five monsters on a page. Yeah, and I mean one, one of the things. Um, one of the things you were saying, Colin, is like the benefit of having the bigger monster spreads is obviously you can get like, the ecology information and stuff yeah. like that in there as well, which I absolutely agree is is great i mean we saw as we talked about earlier you used to get the old dragon magazine like monster ecology articles like yeah. fleshing out those basic stats so that is important but i would argue the importance of it is based on what sort of monster it is so for instance if, if you've got some like weird monster that most people haven't going to heard of yeah you might need a page of ecology however do i need like a page and a half telling me about the ecology of orcs <laughs> I think a lot of the more common monsters could be condensed or maybe even grouped together. So, like, if you had a page where it was like, here's the stats for, like, a goblin, a bugbear, an orc, and maybe, like, an ogre or something, and then you had, like, the facing page had, like, 
the ecology information for like mm. goblinoids, mm. th that would probably suit me more. But yeah. do, you, do you know what? I don't mind all that fluff though. You know, if if you just strip down the stat block so they were, just so that they were like the black hack, which is what I want, right? Yeah. I quite happily. I like. I love reading all that stuff. My yeah. Mordenkind and all the other stuff. Um, the Volo. I love flicking through those. I like looking at the pictures. I like reading the stuff. It, yeah. it, it, yeah. it, yeah. it, it and, invigorates and, me. It gives me loads of stuff. That's yeah. what draws but me back to it all the time. Yeah. yeah, I think I think I, I, I've got a bit of a, a bit of a sort of disconnect or like a dichotomy there because I, I absolutely agree with you, David. Like if I'm just picking up a book to flick through it to get some ideas, yeah. I love reading those big monster stat blogs. However, mm. when it comes to actually like running the game, game, you like, want I, I just want succinct. stuff there, like mm. succinct and sort of quick so i can run it so i, I agree with you, that black hat sort of walks that tightrope between the two very very expertly because it gives me enough to sort of give me an idea and give me a bit of a flavor and you get like the, the little like random sort of motivation tables which take mm. up very little space but they're great sort of prompts and like spurs for the imagination but they're also sort of quite sort of condensed by some standards mm. so that sort of that that's like the ideal for me it gives me enough but it doesn't go over. Whereas if I'm if I'm if I like picked up my monster manual now for like fifth ed and I was just sat there reading it, yeah, I love reading all that ecology yeah. stuff. It gives mm. me great ideas. But I don't look at any of that when I'm actually running the game, and I find sort of flicking no. through all the pages. You haven't, you haven't got time to do it. Have you? A, a bit of a chore. Yeah. So you end up but doing, it, as Colin was saying, like you end up like copying stuff onto index cards mm -hmm. or like um, copying Cut and pasting and paste images from yeah, like yeah. the PDF and stuff like but that. But it's it's about an appropriate level of information to enable mm. you to present that monster or yeah. that ability or whatever hey. without there being unnecessary sort of blurb that you're not going to use. And, and you don't want to read six or seven abilities quite wordy because when you're running at the time, you haven't got time to remember all that and you, to read yeah, it. And the, yeah, you don't want to choose between things, which no. is why I love that little tiny bit of dice science that you get in the Black Hack, you get in 13th Age as well, just a little bit yeah. of algorithm. Yeah. If they're complex, have it triggered off the die. In the player's handbook, like when that first came out, and obviously, please correct me if I'm wrong, for fifth edition, there are like cut down stats for like a smattering of monsters at the back of it. So, that, yeah. you know, before the before the monster manual come out, you could still sort of like run it. And I yeah. think obviously they're very basic sort of pared down versions, mm. but I think it shows that like within fifth edition, you can still have sort of appropriately sized monster stat blocks. Right. To, to, mm -hmm. to come back to what you were saying about the, the Black Hack Dave, I think another, as I was chatting about related monsters being sort of grouped together, you see that done expertly in the Black Hack. So you've got like the mm. um, the sort of Mind Flare-esque sort of like creatures in that. And you also have the stats for like their mind-controlled thralls on the same page. Right. So they're all right. closely interrelated. And the fact that that monster's there tells you something about like the sort of mind flare creatures it tells mm. you you get an, yeah. an extra little stat block and you know they they brainwash people to like be their servants and that's without having like four or five paragraphs of text telling you why they do it or whatever it's just two right. little stat blocks and that conveys an awful lot of information yeah you're right and on on that one page per monster you're right you normally have two or three stat blocks I think the monster manual does that to a certain extent, doesn't it? It does group. Yeah, yeah. it does. It yeah, does. it does a bit, but still, you still got the pretty big old stat blocks. You just get too much. If you've been ambushed by goblins and you want a bit of a variation, then one one of them's gonna, a couple of them are gonna poke you, a couple of them are gonna shoot arrows at you, and then maybe one's gonna throw bombs at you. 
what would you suggest to Watsy that they do though? Bring out a thinner monster manual or have the same chunky manual ah. but with less with more monsters yeah. in it? Same chunky, more monsters. Yeah. Great. Right. I, I actually don't mind if they want to fill a load of pages with, with Volo type stuff. Lovely art and lots of fluff. Providing when I get to the monsters, I've got nice, simple, stripped down monsters yeah. I can just drop in wherever I like. I really so, like Volo. Like yeah. Even if they yeah. have the, I enjoy the same, those books. If mm. they have the same amount of monsters, but it was like formatted in a way that it was easier for me to utilize those monsters yeah. when yeah. I'm running a game, I would be just as happy with that. Mm. And I, I just simplify. I just simplify my monsters, or I yeah. make them up on the fly. I'm still playing five E, but I so re- I, I don't the bring is, the you, monster manual. You're not going to remember all the abilities, are you? So you nah. just you pick one, pick one of them, and that's disability. Yeah, I get the you, flavor of it. Yeah, well, I think as well. I mean, I think a lot of us do that naturally, anyway. So, like, if yeah. I was, like, I say, I'm I'm planning to run like Baromaze at this convention I'm going to. I know that by and large it's it's varying flavours of undead, maybe a few mm. bandits and stuff like that. So the only monster stats I'm gonna worry about are those and maybe a couple of oddballs that are gonna be on the random encounter table. And mm. like you said, I'll probably do similar to you, Colin, like I'll have those copied onto a page because I don't need like the other like twenty five or whatever monsters that are in the monster manual. I tell you what I do yeah. think's a, a bit of a crying shame. We were talking about these like these high-level monsters in like fifth edition, and like how many ridiculous amounts of powers they get, and they get these big spreads and stuff like that. It's like for, for given like the amount of effort that's obviously gone into like designing them, how often do those creatures actually get used in your average mm. game? Yeah, it's like the the if you look at like say something like um the the top tier of like red dragon, like more powers mm. than you can shake a stick at. How many times do you actually come across like an ancient elder worm red dragon? Yeah. Like and if you do, you run like hell. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's only going to be one, and it's going to be the only ancient elder dragon you ever yeah. meet. So all yeah. the other pages in that for that campaign are irrelevant. Yeah. And, but, and again, but, it's, it's got a trillion spells, but it basically comes down to like how much damage is that fire that it's going to breathe on me going to do? How quickly can it move? I.e., can I escape? Mm. And like, how intelligent is it? Maybe because like how it's going to behave during the combat but again you don't really need any of those like massive amounts of abilities because yeah. they don't really come into play even if you even if you had that rarest of games where you're like oh we're facing this ancient elder red worm chances are you're still just going to be like oh shit there's a giant dragon coming towards us like breathing fire and like melting us okay so i, I think we've we've talked a fair length about uh whether you can old school fifth edition, I we've sort of wandered off into flights of fancy as we as we tend to do. I'm, I'm going to have to read fifth edition now, aren't I? This basic thing because I've never read it, so I'm going to have to read it now. <laughs> I'm going to read, yeah, Dino. Yeah, well, I, I must. We'll have a look I'm, through it anyway. It will cost you nothing. I, I must yeah. say, Colin, because I, I actually read it after I listened to your. Um, your I've done. I've just downloaded it while we're speaking. So, uh, and, oh, and cool. I've got to say, you you have convinced me. So I am actually thinking about giving that a go to use in the convention I'm going to in a couple of weekends' time. Just no like pressure, give it, then. Give it a go and see how it works. But if it all goes wrong, you can just blame me, John. I tell you what, I'm, I'm tempted. I may come across for that one then, John. You should, you should do, mate. You should come, come around to Burton. If you, need, if you need somewhere to stay, I've already got like two people shacking up at mine who are coming down for it. So, But, um, yeah, because like you say, it, at the end of the day, it, it's D&D. We all know D&D, so... Yeah. What, what, however suitable or not it is for like running Barrow Maze or whatever, it's not going to do anything like ridiculously untoward. 
Right. It's a system that I'm familiar enough with, especially with like the basic version, that I'd be reasonably confident in running it. It's nice and simple, four classes, happy days. I can't see a reason not to use it to run something like Baramez. So no, I shall give I that agree. a go, Colin, and I shall awesome. report back to you and let you know. So you, you've at least converted one person. Okay. Wow, I didn't, feel, I didn't didn't anticipate this conversation today. There you go, you see. <laughs> go keep people guessing. Well, I, I think unless anyone else does anything else to say, we should probably wrap this episode and this evening's recording up there. Obviously, I'm happy to uh, chat for a little bit afterwards, but it just remains for me to say thank you to Pete, Dave and Colin for joining me this evening and chatting about this subject and to everyone who's participated in the, the Twitch live chat and anyone who's watching or listening either now or in the future. Thanks very much. Whatever game you're playing, have fun and watch out for those purple worms. We'll see you all soon. Take care. Cheers. Bye. Bye.